Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Makai Becton, ladies and gentlemen, human beings that large should not run as fast as Makai Becton did. And if you like people just abusing other humans, the Makai Becton tape is for you. Wilson going to the air. Chased out by Daquan Jones. Wilson looking in zone, wide open, touchdown! First NFL touchdown for Zach Wilson. And it goes to Corey Davis. Down the middle, he's got it. Elijah Moore, the 20, the 10, the 5, touchdown. Jones has just caught flat-footed. What an excellent, excellent round. He'll hit immediately. He's got the handoff. You know who that's? The Q-inator. Oh, my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the playlikeajet.com digital studio. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1. And it's time to get to know your foe, Buffalo Bills edition. This is the final week of the regular season. For the Bills, it will not be the final week of the season, though, because they'll be going on to the playoffs. The question is, are they going to be going into the playoffs as a division winner or as a wild card? Whether or not they win this game on Sunday against the Jets is going to determine that. And so to talk about the Bills and what the Jets are up against, especially what Zach Wilson's going to be facing, we bring in our old friend Drew Gear and, of course, his sidekick, Robin to his Batman, however you want to put it. I don't know, because he doesn't talk a lot on the show. He's mostly the producer, but when he does talk, he's got those great one-liners. He saves them up. He saves up his best material and then just interjects them every once in a while. That, of course, is Chris Kruger. So Drew Gear, Chris Kruger of the Rockpile Report podcast, which, by the way, you can hear me on every week. They do an AFC East roundup, and I represent the Jets. It's been an interesting year to be doing that. So Drew and Chris, thanks for coming on and talking a little Jets bills with me. <laughs> Anytime. No, you know, your listeners need to understand that Chris he has one-liners for days. They're mostly just insults towards me. Like it, it, 
I don't know. We are playing the Jets last week of the season, so I'm fearful that we will give up a 65-yard onside kick. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, no, I have never seen a play. We talked about it in our preview show this week. I've never seen a, a football play. I'm the hyperbolic one. I'm the one out of our group who throws wicker furniture and who is, I mean, Chris has a whole plethora of gifts made of me and my overreactions to football. And yet Chris was the one who was beside himself on that play. I'm sure you remember it. It was 2015. Uh, it was 2015, 2016. 2016, last game of the year. The Jets kick the ball off and it rolls into the end zone. And for some reason, our player just doesn't pick it up. I think it was Mike Gillisley. And the Jets jump on it and... Like everyone in the room is just dumbfounded. Like, what did we just watch? How did that guy get out there as a returner and not know that that's a live ball? <laughs> but and usually, again, that I'd be the person to peel the paint off the walls, and it was Chris, and I'll never forget that. It's one of my favorite Jets memories of all time. It's probably got to be up there with having Joe Blewett drive all the way up to Buffalo to watch the Jets get into the playoffs in 2015, only for the Bills to spoil the party. I'm sure you guys are hoping that the Jets don't return the favor on Sunday because even though they can't knock the Bills out of the playoffs, they can make it so that the Bills are not division winners. And that honor, of course, instead would go to the New England Patriots. And the first thing I wanted to ask you guys about is the running game because the Bills had a really nice day against the Jets last time. But going into the game, we talked about how the Bills had a subpar running game. Yet, ever since that Jets game, Devin Singletary seems to have figured out that he's a number one back and he's capable of putting up those types of numbers. All of a sudden, he's averaging 4.6 yards per carry. He's got six touchdowns. I don't think he's going to reach 1,000 yards because it would require over 200 yards rushing, but he's going to get relatively close if he has a big day on Sunday against the Jets. What happened there? How did the running game come alive all of a sudden? Well, so it's interesting because it's a day where you look at the Atlanta Falcons and you say, okay, we should be able to throw the ball all over these guys because their cornerbacks are good, but the linebackers aren't great in coverage. The safeties are kind of suspect. We should be able to execute a downfield passing offense. Everything's going to be fine. And instead, it went painfully the opposite direction. Josh Allen was trying to howitzer balls through people. Uh, a couple times, we, we had four drops in the opening, uh, opening two series. And you could see receivers walking off the field shaking their hands. Just like, Jesus, man, take, take a step off because it's cold out here. That thing is like a rock. He only threw for 120 yards in the game. And I think they very quickly after a few, tur you know, after a couple punts and drives that didn't go anywhere, they said, okay, we really, we have to have the run. And they kind of had like a, a big powwow on the sideline. And then they all took the field and you saw it start with their left tackle. I mean, Devin Singletary, I don't want to take anything away from him. He ran really, really hard. It's maybe the hardest I've seen him run in his career here in Buffalo. He really took advantage of like, hey, there's no other running back out here to threaten you. We're not going to give Moss a ton of carries. Whoever's the hot hand, we're going to ride you. He was running with a lot. He's always had, always had good contact balance, but he's never had power. And yet now you go back to the New England game, and now you look at this Falcons game, you see him running and breaking tackles. I, he, he, I believe he finished, Chris, don't quote me, but it was like 120 total yards rushing. I think he had 23 carries, 115 yards. Okay. 102 of those came after contact. That's the story of this the whole game was a, a, a small running back that already has elite contact balance because his yards after contact numbers have always been good. 
but he really leaned on the Falcons in that regard. And their tackling wasn't great to begin with. So, it, you know what I mean? It's like uh, <laughs> it's like throwing a match on the gasoline. You have a bad situation with a team that doesn't tackle well, and you have this running back who's all of a sudden figured out how to run with a little power, and he was already kind of elusive and shifty. It was a recipe for disaster for the Falcons, and it keyed the strongest rushing day we've had all season, and maybe even better than some of the days we had last season in that regard. What's the story with Josh Allen exactly? He's got 700 yards rushing. Has him running more helped open things up for Devin Singletary because teams are looking for Allen to do something? I I don't even think it's a matter of that. Allen doesn't run I, very infrequently. Correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, but very infrequently is there a designed run play called for Josh Allen outside of the red zone. In the red zone, they've been known to dial them up, and over the last month, until until the last two weeks, those didn't get executed well. But they they tend not to dial up directly called runs for Josh Allen. Instead, what you see is Allen drops back to pass, buys time, looks, buys time, and if nobody's open, his offensive linemen have been trained to say, okay, when I, when I run out of work, there's a timer in my head, and when it goes off, I'm going to the second level because I already know Josh has taken off. And so you get plays where there, you know, it's third and three perfect example against the Falcons third and three. We're at about midfield. They, they could conceivably stop us here for a punt. Allen drops back to pass, drops back to pass. There's nobody open. There's nobody open. He's in the pocket for about three and a half seconds. Well, while he's doing this, Spencer Brown has come over, helped Darrell Williams clean out the defensive tackle from the Falcons. So now he's just standing there, looking, looking, waiting. He's pivoting on the balls of his feet. And then it's almost like, again, he doesn't have to look at Allen. He just knows, okay, it's time. Allen, not a time. So he runs downfield, and he knows he's about to take off and starts blocking at the second level. He lays not one but two blocks and springs a 14-yard gain on third and three that keeps the drive alive and ultimately ends in a touchdown. And that's really the backbreaker for the day because you know the Falcons aren't coming back now at this point. It really, there's this intuitiveness between Allen and our linemen where they've learned finally how and when he operates. And so they, and now they have the athleticism with Spencer Brown playing right tackle that they can get out in space from the tackle positions at the second level and give him escape route from the pocket. So Allen doesn't care. You know, we're not going to call a lot of designed runs to try to take pressure off anybody. What, what, where it's going to kill you is that if your secondary does hold up, but your front seven doesn't get home, that's where you get into trouble because this line is so adept at just getting out into space, creating lanes for him. And when he's, when he's in the open field, he's, like, he's a Clydesdale. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. 
Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Let's continue talking about Allen a little bit and let's transition to the passing game because Luke Grant, the Thunder from Down Under, who does all the great film for us over on the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel, loves to take shots at Josh Allen as a passer. And I always tell him, dude, you're fighting a losing battle. Even though Josh Allen isn't as good as he was last year, he's not necessarily an MVP candidate. He's a top 10 quarterback. I think that discussion is over with. But he still harps on, oh, he threw a couple interceptions or he had this bad day or that bad day. But overall, you take a look at his numbers. And granted, numbers aren't everything, but 34 touchdowns, 15 interceptions, 7 yards per attempt, 92.8 quarterback rating, a 61 QBR. Overall, 64% completion percentage. These are very strong numbers. Tell me a little bit about what you've seen beyond the numbers, because obviously, like I said, box score scouting is not how you figure out how effective a quarterback has been throughout a season. There's a phrase that I used in a Rockwell Report podcast last year that I think is still fitting. It's that if any of you out there are fans of the Marvel Universe, Josh Allen is a lot like Thanos when he declares he is inevitable. That's what Josh Allen is. And when I say that, this is what I mean. Week, you go into week 16, they play the New England Patriots. And he comes out and they say, okay, we've got a great secondary. We've got a complex schemes. We've got multiple safeties. We've got a Pro Bowl cornerback. We've got all kinds of stuff designed to shut you down. We built this team to win this division. We spent a lot of money. We've got pass rushers. We've drafted pass rushers. We built a team that we think can take down Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. He throws three touchdowns, 314 yards, runs for what? I mean, he, he ran for another 60, converted multiple first downs, including a couple fourth downs with his legs in some really improbable ways. You know, the fourth and one play where he bootlegs, and there's two Patriots, J.C. Jackson and uh, Jamie Collins, who are no slouches in the backfield with him, and he splits them like the three Stooges and stumbles forward for, t for eight yards on fourth and one. And then you say, okay, fine, screw it. I will take that away. The Falcons come to town and they say, you know what? The weather's bad. You're not playing well in the cold. You're throwing the ball too hard for your wide receivers to catch. We, we are going to play some really exotic zone looks that you maybe haven't seen yet this season. Dean Pease, he's very good at that. 
about showing pressure, then bailing out to deal with a kind of odd man front and then bailing out into zone coverage. And it they took advantage of it multiple times. Allen only had 120 yards, three picks. He goes from being this dominant passer to all of a sudden getting, essentially he's being made. I mean, th- this is a Nathan Peterman-esque performance we saw from him as a passer. But it doesn't matter. Because then what he does is says, okay, fine. That's going to be the thing you do. Here comes 81 yards and two touchdowns on the ground. Why? Because I can. <laughs> because if you try to stop me here, I'll take this. And it wasn't always that way this season. But it seems like throughout the course of a season, he finds his way to this level of play at the end of a year. You know, it wasn't he wasn't as elite as everyone wants to think as, wants to remember him as being in 2020 until the last six weeks of football. That's when he really turned it on for everybody. And you got to see that he was just scorching teams. He was burning everybody to the ground. The same is starting to happen just a little bit later. You know, now that he's got new schemes to contend with, teams are playing a lot of too high shell defenses to take away all of our deep passing. So he's having to chunk his way down the field. But that Patriots win, he said, fine, I'm no longer looking for the home run throw. Just give me checkdowns, checkdowns and checkdowns that can help me set up those highlight reel throws. He's become inevitable. He's an inevitable winner now. And that's a terrifying prospect for anybody who has to play us. Because it doesn't matter what style of defense you try to play. It doesn't matter what your game plan is. His raw physical talent, both as a runner and as a passer, and his kind of uncanny ability to navigate muddy pockets and buy time, he puts so much pressure on defensive players and coordinators. It's not scheme-driven like it is with the Rams, where they just have this scheme that stresses your your defense, and eventually things crack and crumble, and they find ways to score points. Josh Allen, just on his own with his physical talents, is that pressure. (laughs) So it's been a hell of a thing to watch as someone who didn't like him coming out in the draft. But I got to tell you, he's the backbone of the team. When people go, okay, how do you stop Josh Allen? I, you, you, me, and about, I don't know, Chris, seven, eight, nine, ten different defensive coordinators making millions of dollars a year. They'd also like to know. Because I don't have any answers, and neither do they. (laughs) One thing that helps make Josh Allen inevitable, as you said, though, is the fact that he's got a variety of different weapons to throw to in the passing game. And this is why it's so important that Devin Singletary started to run well, because it gives the Bills offense a lot more balance, which they really are going to need when they get into the playoffs. We all know how good Stefan Diggs is. There's no mystery there. One of the best receivers in the NFL. But they brought in Emmanuel Sanders this year, who has been pretty good. He's got four touchdowns on the season, 42 catches for 626 yards. You take a look at Cole Beasley, another all-reliable, 78 catches, 662 yards, and a touchdown. And then you look at Dawson Knox and Gabe Davis. And Drew, when we talked about Gabe Davis the first time around when the Jets played the Bills this year, you had said that you weren't sure what was going on with him. He seemed to be a bit of a disappointment. But down the stretch, he's been everything you would want out of a number three receiver, that big bodied possession guy that is a big red zone threat because now 
now he's got 32 catches for 510 yards and six touchdowns. Not to mention the fact that Dawson Knox has really blossomed this year as a tight end. 46 catches, 538 yards, and nine touchdowns for him. So going into this game, you've got Diggs and Knox who both have the opportunity to finish the season with double-digit touchdowns. And you've got a wide variety of very productive pass catchers here for Allen. Tell me a little bit about this dynamic because... I think you could make the case that this is the most diverse and perhaps most dangerous group that they've had overall since Allen's been a bill. Oh, for sure. And I think the big takeaway here, and it's something that I've kind of come to terms with on my own, and Bills fans are still kind of struggling to wrap our heads around, but the NFL season's a long one. And the best teams seem to be the teams that they don't get married to one concept of who they are. They evolve over the course of a season. And you've seen this evolution take place with the Buffalo Bills, where early on in the year, Emmanuel Sanders was looked to as our wide receiver number two, and he was scoring early and often because people didn't know that he was going to be such an integral part of the passing attack. He kind of took he took over some of Beasley's targets, he took, and he was doing some of the things that you Diggs used to do for us. He was the chain mover. He was all these different things. Well, then he's been a little banged up here. Knee injuries, just age, back injury. So he's been less and less productive as the season's worn on. And in games like that Jacksonville game, what you saw was a Bills attack that just was looked kind of toothless. People realized, hey, if we can double cover and rough up Stephon Diggs, Beasley's not big enough to be physically competitive. Let's go out there and punch these guys in the face. They, they wilt under pressure. And some of the offensive problems we had stemmed from the offensive line itself. It's hard to orchestrate a downfield passing attack when they're playing single high safeties. You need time and you need time for your wide receivers to, for the, for your passer to you know, work. And you need time for your wide receivers to get open against these different coverages. Part of the problem is their offensive line this year might be the worst version of the bills offensive line I've seen since 2018, when we were the second cheapest line in the offense in the NFL, we spent the second least amount of money. <laughs> <laughs> It was bad. $12 million. I used to joke. I was like, Taylor Luan makes more than our whole offensive line does, which is pathetic. And the results spoke to that. Well, this passing attack that they needed to be when teams started playing those high safety looks and doing different things to take away the deep crosses and the deep curls that Allen was thriving on last year, there was a real, there were real growing pains. And I think what else happened is that some of these guys got marginalized a little bit. The Gabe Davis is the Dawson Knox was having this surge out of the gate. People said, yes, finally, this is the Dawson Knox that we thought we were getting in the draft. Well, Gabe Davis would scored seven touchdowns for you as a rookie last year. And he had had 13 catches going into week eight. <laughs> he was completely <laughs> marginalized in this offense because they had so many mouths to feed. And Gabe Davis really thrives in that deeper half of the field where he can use his size to his advantage. He can use his speed and his route running to get on smaller players. He's 6'4", 220 pounds. Well, when your offensive line can't block, you can't orchestrate that. So he didn't really have a place at the beginning of this season. And you saw our offense really as, our, as more you know, war of attrition on our offensive line and then shuffling people around, trying to figure out who was good, who wasn't. Now we've reached a place where we kind of know who our best starting five are. We've got a rookie playing right tackle. We've got a veteran who our veteran right tackle that we just resigned in the offseason now playing guard. We've got our veteran center who's playing some. He's kind of gotten better as better guard play has been introduced around him. 
And the trickle-down effect of this is that now that we've figured out these guard spots, Deion Dawkins is a pro bowler. All of a sudden, we have a right tackle playing at a high level. You're seeing this offense start to click. And when that happens, that's when the tertiary weapons come into play. Everyone knows Stephon Diggs is dangerous, but the Patriots had no idea that Isaiah McKenzie was going to beat him like a drum for 120 yards and a touchdown. I think he had 11 first downs, nine first downs in that game. The, the, the Panthers, they would have had no way of knowing that we had all kinds of plays schemed up for Gabe Davis that we've never gotten to run before. Like one where they faked, they, they, it was a great play because Gabe Davis is our best run blocking wide receiver. They faked the handoff and off play action. Gabe Davis goes to the line and engages, starts blocking. So Stefan uh, Gilmore, former Buffalo Bill, doesn't cover him. Because he's like, okay, that guy's blocking, starts to drift over into the flat, and all of a sudden Gabe Davis breaks off and sp- just sprints up the hash, uh, up the seam, wide open in the end zone for a touchdown from like 28 yards out from the end zone. You couldn't do that stuff because our line was so bad, but as that solidified, now all of the weapons are being put to Josh Allen's disposal, and you're really starting to see what he can do with that. It's it, I got to tell you, it couldn't come at a better time. Tell me a little bit about the defense, Drew, because something that I saw that was very interesting to me, and it might tell you something about the analytics on this, because I'm not a huge fan of a lot of these stats, but pass rush win rate. The Bills are number five in the NFL, and yet there isn't a player on the team with more than five sacks. They don't have anybody that's really standing out. Gregory Rousseau was a house of fire early on, the rookie out of Miami, but he cooled off a lot. Mario Addison leads the team in sacks. So it's just interesting that they're getting so much pressure, apparently, but not getting home and getting the sacks. And then you take a look at the secondary and the coverage units. They're missing their best player. Travis White is a top-five cornerback in the NFL when he's healthy, as far as I'm concerned. I've often said I think you can make a case when Stephon Gilmore was here before he got hurt and he got whittled down that the AFC East had the three best cornerbacks in the league with Gilmore, Tredavious White, and Xavier Howard. Regardless, even without him, that Bills secondary seems to have held up at least okay, and the run defense hasn't been amazing, but again, if we're talking about win rate, they're 17th in run-stop win rate, which is right around the middle of the pack. So this Bills defense isn't necessarily elite, but they seem to be at least doing a reasonably good job this season. Tell me a little bit more about what's inside the numbers. Here's what goes on with this defense. To your point, we don't have a miles garrett there's no there's no star pass rusher and you know there's no boso who's going to come in here and be the focal point of your defensive line but that almost works to our advantage to a certain degree like you look at this game against atlanta our defensive line ate their offensive line for lunch and you talked about greg rousseau cooling off rousseau was our highest rated defensive lineman three solo tackles three pressures a sack a tackle Mm -hmm. for loss and a strip sack that set up a touchdown he, what it is is that he's he's been steady, but he's a rookie, you know, and he was he was regarded. There's a reason Jalen Phillips and all a couple other defensive ends were taken ahead of him in the draft. It's that there was this belief that he was going to be. I, I guess the the first way I can say this is the philosophy of the Buffalo Bills has always been. You see it with Tremaine Edmonds, with Josh Allen, mm-hmm. with. Guys like Gabe Davis, who was a fourth-round draft pick, and people had questions over whether or not he could run routes. The questions about Greg Rousseau, they go, okay, nobody doubts his intangibles. Look at look at his size. He's been talked about as a leader. He's got, he's got elite physical traits that you cannot teach, and our staff 
and our GM have repeatedly said, give me freaks and I will teach them how to be football players. And so with that, there's always this learning curve. Rousseau kind of did hit kind of a lull. But then you see Boogie Basham playing for a couple of weeks and he's playing well. He's getting pressures. He's making tackles. We don't need him right now. So he's on the bench. You know, he, he's because there's veterans who are being paid more, who are more consistent, who are taking those reps. Rousseau has been a nice surprise because he's been consistent. You know, I don't notice him when I'm rewatching games and I'm making notes. I don't notice Greg Rousseau for glaring issues which is good for a rookie playing a 4-3 defensive end because it's very difficult. I mean, you know how many years have the Jets taken first-round draft picks of? Vernon Golston comes to mind. Mm. Guys that just never figured it out. This kid already has being a professional football player in this system, in that role, figured out. Now he's just got to figure out how to do it quicker. And as his processing speeds up and he, he learns more pass rush moves and things like that, he'll be more effective. Harrison Phillips, third-year guy, six pressures last week in a sack and a fumble recovery. Now, he, again, not a highly regarded player in NFL circles, but he's effective. That's what this Bills front seven essentially is. You know, Matt Milano gets a lot of the press because he's one of the NFL's best cover men, but he also can bring some pass rush, and run blitzing is his specialty. They play with a lot of physicality, and they like to roll bodies at you. Nobody plays more than 48% of snaps. Sometimes they'll they'll put out, I've seen games where they put out nine defensive linemen and say, listen, there is no TJ Watt on this team, but that's fine because you're going to stay fresh for four quarters and we are going to beat up their offensive line and wave after wave of differentiated skill sets and pass rush knowledge and moves and packages. And over time, you just wear other teams down. And it helps that our secondary is playing so well mm-hmm. because even without Trey White, now, you go into that Tampa Bay game and you say to yourself, okay, we don't have Trey White. There's no way that we could possibly, <laughs> there's no way we could possibly contend with these guys with all the weapons they have and everything they have going for them. Dane Jackson comes out and does a very good job as our CB2. Levi Wallace has kind of played, he's been playing with a chip on his shoulder because everyone says, oh, you're not good enough. He's playing very good as long as the, he thrives when they can keep him in off-ball situations. If he is, he's a if he's a light because he's a little light and I should say light and loafers because that comes across as like a slur, like offensive. <laughs> he's a little light in the jeans. When you look at him, I ran into him at the airport once. He has his legs are built like Chris's arms. That's <laughs> <Not laughs> a visual joke on a podcast, so I'm sure won't go over. But he's not the most solidly built guy, but he's very good in zone coverage. So as long as our front seven is doing its job and occupying blockers and occupying, you know everybody else he can play off ball zone coverage and he's very good and then we might have the most underrated safety tandem mm-hmm. in the afc mm-hmm. year after year they get snubbed for pro bowls but like right now they're leading the the, the only end safety tandem in the nfl where both of them have five interceptions because they're opportunistic they're physical they're multifaceted so our secondary even without a star pass rush in front of them has really thrived based on their own talents and the way that each each unit helps the unit next to it, in front of it, behind it. It's a phalanx, and I love it. I mean, that's the thing that makes this defense go is that when you lose a Trey White, it's not the end of the world because while Trey White was a very nice component of this, and yes, you do feel the loss of that in some coverage situations. You, know, you, you lose some of the things, the exotic looks you could cook up because you'd no longer have a guy who can go one-on-one with a Mike Evans or one-on-one with an Antonio Brown before he flings his gear into the fucking stands. Whoops, sorry. 
<laughs> got a little carried away there. Either way, you know what I'm saying. You lose, you lose that, but the team itself is just this unit of complementary play that when it all works, it's very hard for teams to operate against us consistently for four quarters. The teams we tend to struggle with are the ones who can physically punch you in the mouth. Uh, you saw what happened when we played against the Colts, right? They fed it to us for four straight quarters. Now they've had some time to reflect on that. These guys, they've, they've maybe figured out how to take it a little personally. Our front seven is playing some of its better football of the season. So it'll be interesting to see if that dynamic changes. But on the whole, without any stars, they've figured out how to play to a man some of the best football that anybody's playing in football right now on defense. Drew, based on everything we've talked about, tell me what you think the Bills' strategy is going to be here. What would you do if you were the Jets trying to combat what the Bills are going to do? And ultimately, how do you think this one turns out? I think that the Bills pull this one out because they have to, right? I mean, you don't come this far. You don't have that emotional win in Foxborough. Josh Allen is a man possessed. I, I made the joke on our show, and it kind of went turned into this viral clip that another podcast had kind of cribbed and I did, but, but they credited us, but they loved it. And I love it. It was after the Tennessee Titans game when Josh Allen could very much just pack it in and say, okay, this isn't our week. You know, maybe we'll hang out. We'll kick a field goal and we'll play for overtime. It, uh, it it'll be fine because he's a multi-million dollar quarterback. Now he, he doesn't need to care. You know, he, he doesn't need to care what happens. He's set for life. The thing with Josh Allen is that the money has actually given him carte blanche to be more reckless than he was before. And he wants to win, cares about walking tomorrow. So that's when you see him take off running in the end of that Tennessee game. And he's literally cartwheeling across the field because he thinks, okay, if I just dive headfirst and stretch my arms out, maybe I can get this thing because he wants to win that badly. It's hard to beat that. The New England Patriots just found that out. Josh Allen willed our football team past them. And that's one of the better coach teams in football. They're a team capable of putting up a 50 spot on the Jaguars. <laughs> like, they're no slouches. And yet Josh Allen has kind of become his kryptonite because there's nobody on his team who wants it more than Josh. When you're going up against a player like that, it is hard to approach that as a defensive coordinator because it, like, it's, it goes back to what I said earlier. You, you want to come at him with a pass rush. And he says, fine, I'll run. The second that you give me an opportunity, if you don't get me, you're screwed because I'm going to take off in the open field. If you're going to sit back and play zone coverage, that's fine. I'll stand here in the pocket. I'll trust. I'll evade. And I'll make off schedule plays. If you think that what you're going to do is you're going to you're going to try a mix of the two approaches. And you're not going to send pressure, but you're going to, okay, we're going to zone blitz. That's fine because I can do both. And sometimes I can finally learn to lean on my teammates because my offensive line is good enough that I'll check into runs like he did it with Atlanta a lot. When you'd see them playing deep quarters and he knew it, he was pointing it out and then you'd see him call an, an audible and then Singletary would rip off a six yard run. Why? Because he's finally learned to drop the idea of I have to win this for everybody. He's no longer trying to play cowboy football and put the whole team on his shoulders but he can. He's physically capable of it. <laughs> I just don't know how you approach that. I think that you could try a mixed approach. I think if you're the Jets, your best bet is just to load up and come after him because 
you can't you don't have the talent in your secondary to sit back there and wait. You know, if you wait for Diggs and Gabe Davis and Dawson Knox to come at you and hope you can cover them, it's not going to go well. I think the best bet's to load the line, send a lot of pressure, and try to keep them guessing as to where it's coming from. But even that, I, it, you're going to be hard-pressed to pull it off, brother. Drew Gear, Chris Kruger, the Rock Power Report boys, thanks for coming on and breaking down the bills with me. It was mostly Drew, but Chris did jump in with one of his trademark one-liners at one point, so we knew he was there. Really appreciate you guys dropping by. For those that want to check out your show, and why wouldn't you? Because even if you're not a Bills fan, you guys do the AFC East Roundup every week, which includes Jets content featuring yours truly. So, of course, you want to check that out. How can they listen to that, and how can they follow you on social media? You can follow us on Twitter at Rockpile Report. We're on all the major podcasting platforms. We also recently uh, got our YouTube channel up and going, so you can find clips of the show on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash the Rockpile Report. I told you Chris was still there. I knew he was still there. Even if he wasn't talking, he was still there. Check out everything they're doing over at the Rockpile Report. Check out everything we're doing at playlikeajet.com and the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. Like I said, the Thunder from Down Under, Luke Grant, is going to have a great film breakdown of Zach Wilson up on our YouTube channel. Watch all our videos. Subscribe if you haven't already. Check out our store at tpublic.com. That's T-E-E-Public.com. We've got the Zach Wilson, Zach Says Go Long shirt, the Zach the Ripper shirt, the John Franklin Myers, Quinn and Williams, Bless You, Thank You shirt, the Play Like a Jet logo shirt, mugs, hoodies. It's all there right now. tpublic.com. That's T-E-E-Public.com. And make sure you give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and playlikeajet.com. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. 
Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.